Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. And to be fair, it's kind of an interim week. We're, we're between two events. Uh, we're between episodes of Stab in the Dark, but we still have a lot to talk about. Uh, we actually did a post-pipe predictions piece where members of the Stab staff kind of picked apart things that happened in that last event and projected them into the future. So there's some really strong ones in there that you're going to want to hear about. We also have a new film dropping on Stab Premium this week. It is called Precursor. It is the first full film by Sierra Kerr, 16-year-old, absolutely taking the world by storm. Buck and I are going to chat about that and what it means about the future of surfing. And we're also going to do a little opinion piece about what the Super Bowl taught me about Felipe, Carissa, and Steph. It was a bit of an enlightening moment. Um, so I wanted to share that with you guys as well. And then Stace is going to come on and we are going to do our pre-sunset preview. Uh, we're going to break down the forecast, our picks, etc. and so on. Let's drop in. Hello, Michael. Hey, Buck. Good evening. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, actually, I'm very stressed. <laughs> I'm in the process of getting out of my house so that I can go to California and Australia for like six weeks. But like, how hard is it to get out of your house when you're leaving? Like all the little tiny things. And then I wake up this morning and I have a flat tire as well. So a lot going on, but the podcast is always a good settler. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I feel like for some reason, whenever like you're renting a house for a while, just it's easy somehow. And then when you buy one, you're like, fuck everything. Yeah. When you're leaving, you're like, what do I do with the, the curtains? Exactly. It's, uh, it's horrible. No, that's great. Yeah. But I learned how to change a tire today. So uh, 30 years old, still learning new things. Wow. There you go. There you go. Nice work. You had a spare We ready already? We had a spare and we will find out in the next two hours or so if I put it on correctly when we go for an hour and a half drive. Wow. Okay. Not sure if that's you had a proper spare, not a donut then. <laughs> yeah. No, we have a proper spare, I think, and um, I I hope that I screwed everything in right. But uh, yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll spin. You're fine. That's true. All right. Let's get into the news. Post pipe predictions: Millennial women won't win another world title. Plus, if it swells, XXL the WSL will ride it. We're going to go a quick three to the beach this episode because you and Stace are going to talk about some XXL, XXM sunset that we have to look forward to. But before we get there, we'll get into the drop and just have three quick topics, starting with this post-pipe predictions deck. We got some good ones in here, Mikey. I think yours is the biggest. Yours is the juiciest to me. You think so? Okay. Well, I guess we did put it in the title um, just because it probably was the most attention grabbing and that is kind of the way that things work. So yeah, I don't think a millennial woman will ever win another world title. What do you think is happening? They're buying too much, too many avocado toast <laughs> to win another world title? Is that yeah, it? Yeah, they've been live, laugh, loving too Spending much. Spending all their times at, at coffee shops and they're not. that's why they're not winning anymore. <laughs> Fucking boomer. <laughs> No, they're trying to figure out how to buy a house. It's impossible. They're all they're all just stressed about that. Yeah. It can't be Katie. <laughs> yeah, Katie's just living her best life. No, so Carissa and Steph obviously left the tour this year. I would say between those two, Carissa was certainly the biggest threat at a world title, seeing that she's won the regular season the past, I don't know, four seasons at least. Um, but yeah, beyond that, like, obviously there's still a lot of talented millennial women on tour. You have Tyler, I believe Tati as well. Um, 
Sally's still hanging on, you know, so there are a few in there that like, especially Tyler and Tati have been in the world title race the past, well, between them over the past few years. So of course, it's not impossible. Um, It's probably a bolder claim than it should be. I don't think I'd put my life's earnings on this. But I think when you look at the talent that is in that 21 to, or actually technically 22 now that Caroline Marks just turned 22, but 22 to even down to 16-year-old range, you have Caroline Marks, Molly Picklum are both in that 21, 22-year-old range. You have Katie Simmers and Betty Lucicura Johnson are both 18. And then coming up right behind them, uh, one girl who we're about to hear from soon, who says she's not going to go on tour in the super near future, but I don't know if I quite believe her, and Sierra Kerr, and also Aaron Brooks, who I think is actively trying to make the tour right now. So I don't know, when you just see their ability in waves like Pipeline, like we've talked about it so much, but it was just so eye-opening, and then also their creativity in their surfing, the courage that they have, and now the sort of competitive acumen that's starting to show in surfers like Katie and Molly, who definitely brought it to a next gear in the last two years. I just, I don't see anybody taking them out. I think they're too good in all conditions to to relinquish any titles. It's crazy. Remember? Remember the start of the year I said, I think the women's side is just more exciting. I think Pipe proved me right. Yeah. I think you're tackling. You're getting a sense for that now, Mikey. It's just crazy. It's what's happening on the women's side is baffling. And I think it's it's really just not matching the men's side with that youth coming up. Gotta say. So I wouldn't bet against you. It is it's a bold claim, which I like a lot. And uh yeah, I've given I don't really see a reason to bet against you. I almost feel bad for like like I feel like there is a generation of women who are really pushing bigger wave, especially heavier wave surfing, like Tatiana strikes me as a woman who is like ahead of the pack for a while, charging harder than most and really doing hard yards and now this other generation has come up and just like are you know way ahead of her but for a while she was pushing it harder than almost anybody else so i almost feel bad for her it's crazy she looked silly at pipeline compared to katie and molly like she obviously like was charging like she was going but she didn't look like she knew what we what she was doing relative to those other girls like it was night and day yeah i almost feel bad because i really look at her as somebody that like pushed that for a while was at the forefront of it and now it's just like holy shit the world has changed so yeah, not going to bet against you there, Mikey. Big claim, not going to bet against you. A few more in here. Kicks off a little prediction from Ethan Davis about Rip Curl getting back to the core. Um, they had, we talked about in here, just a weird thing. I still don't really understand what all the fuss was about, but um, <laughs> just posted an Instagram of somebody who transitioned from male to female. It's just likes to ride a longboard. It was, to me, just like, how is this offensive at all? Um, apparently, many people disagreed with me, found it very offensive. This is not the reason for this prediction, but I think this is honestly this idea of like going back to the core. I would bet is on is a strategic goal for almost any surf brand right now. I think every big brand is saying some semblance of this in their meetings right now, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, and we are hearing whispers, though, that Rip Girl's really going to go at things, really try to make it clear that they're here for core surfers. We're hearing whispers of a signing. Mike, you want to talk about that? Well... Somebody with... Uh, yeah, uh, these are these are whispers. They're definitely nothing is whispers. close to confirm. But we have heard that uh, Ethan Ewing might be getting looked at by Rip Curl. I think that'd be a pretty good fit. And to your what you were saying before, like, 
some surf brands are trying this. Some have already achieved it. I think Quicksilver, against all odds, despite new ownership and most of their team leaving, like, I guess it's really the work that was done by the team that was there. So we'll see if they're able to continue that now that the business is changing a little bit. But Quicksilver has done, I think, the best job of really like painting that picture of like, we're going back to, to the core team, core surfing, core values, etc. Um, Billabong, obviously Ethan's sponsor, uh, is, uh, it doesn't feel quite the same to me, but you know, things are always changing there as well. So we'll see what comes out of it. But yeah, it'd be really fascinating if, uh, Ethan Ewing, who's inarguably one of the most valuable surfers in the world right now, especially now that Felipe Toledo has jumped off the tour. Um, you got to be thinking that he's licking his chops for a potential world title this year. So yeah, he's a very, very valuable asset. And I can understand why Rip Curl would want someone like that on their team because they have Medina, which I think definitely serves a, you know, a certain type of market. But I think Ethan Ewing would really bring together those like core Australian values that they have. Plus like, I would just like an image of him and Mick kind of just suiting up together. It just, <laughs> they don't really look alike, but they don't, they don't look they don't dissimilar, not, you know, <laughs> yeah. they don't look dissimilar. They don't surf dissimilar. Like, I think just seeing him and Mick together, there's something just like pleasing about that to me. And I, I hope it happens. It just feels like something that makes sense. Ethan Ewing with the River Curl sticker on his board, regardless of whether or not it happens. Like you said, it's whispers. It just feels to me like a fit. I'd be like, yeah, that makes perfect sense, you know? Yeah. So one other one in here that really stood out to me is uh, that the WSL, and this is this is a long bow to draw because you're you're almost you're giving them a lot of credit, but the WSL will essentially realize that their attempts at going mainstream are futile because it just is, right? We've talked about it in so many ways. Like surfing is never going to become mainstream for myriad reasons that are just baked into its fundamentals. So they will realize that, and they will realize that it's better to be to do something on a smaller scale, but really, really well, and have a really solid core fan base who absolutely loves what you do, have surfers who love what you do. And the way to do that is potentially through a subscription model. And of course, as we know very well, people will be up in fucking arms about this. But I think at the end of the day, the people who really care about competitive surfing, one, are going to want to support it, and two... Even if they don't want to support it, it's the only game in town, right? Like, what else are you going to do if you want to watch the best surfers in the world at sometimes the best waves in the world competing for world titles? Um, so this was offered by Christian Bowcut, a new addition to the Stab team. You may have seen him on some of your uh, on your Stab Premium emails. He's our new Stab Premium coordinator. So I, I realize that there's a lot of... Um, assumption in this like it's not necessarily based on facts or anything like that but i think it is a cool prediction to throw into the world to potentially manifest itself because i actually think the more i think about it the more i think that this actually makes sense and would benefit all parties well i think one of the sparks for this prediction which i was unaware of i don't know when you were made aware of it but i was unaware of it until and a meeting we had internally but that you couldn't watch the final day at pipeline on youtube on the wsl in the U.S. Um, I watched it in the U.S., yeah. Sorry. I watched it on YouTube in Europe. I think you watched it in Costa Rica. Yep. No issues at all. In the U.S., that wasn't the case. It was only through their app, and then they did a deal with, what, was it ESPN? Yeah, I think ESPN Plus or something in the U.S. ESPN Plus, fucking Ocho. <laughs> um, but <laughs> you could only watch it through those platforms, which isn't 
that big of a deal. You can still watch it for free on the app. But at the same time, that is a tightening up of their distribution in a way that we haven't seen in a very long time. That's something. That's not nothing, let's say. Um, U.S. is a massive market. It's fucking huge. So them doing that there makes you go, huh, all right, maybe something's happening here. Um, again, a long bow to cut, if you will, <laughs> but let's see what happens. All right. Stab edit of the year 2024. Sierra Kerr in Precursor. This thing comes in at just over 18 minutes long. It is made by Jesse Little and, of course, Sierra Kerr. And Mikey, it took me less than two minutes to get goosebumps. Um, before we get into it, I just want to highlight a quote by Mob Barley, a stab commenter who identifies as that, a grain, a little Bob Marley play on words, nice. Anyway, Mob Barley says, It's 2024, and the most exciting surf cinematography is being produced by two teenager girls. Fucking didn't see that coming, but I'm here for it. What an amazing edit. We've also got Motel Hell. That's Harry Bryant's edit coming, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah, it's uh, actually one of the predictions from that last piece that we, we didn't even get to is uh, it's one from Blake Michelle. He's one of our best filmmakers. And his prediction is that the WSL is going to start to give the better conditions in the waiting period to the women, especially in barreling conditions, because it draws so much more interest and it sparks so much more progression. Like there's, they were so much better off having the women surf on that really good day, the last day, than the men. Like, yeah, the men surfed really well. Baron got an incredible 10, but it's so overshadowed by what the women were doing. And when I watch this segment from the box of the women, of you see Katie, you see Sierra, obviously it's her film, you see Betty Lou, um, maybe even Molly? Not sure, maybe not Molly. But anyway, you see these women charging the box, and it's like, oh, duh, if the WSL goes to WA and they get a good box day, they need to put the women out there. Like, that's how you continue this trend of, you know, fucking pipeline is for the fucking girls, boxes for the fucking girls too, you know? And that's that's got to be the what they lean into. And this section right here is going to be the catalyst for it oh my god that section is crazy uh we also see sierra in california we see her on the east coast Oz. we see her in indo and then the end section in tahiti is also just absurd as well it's also one where you get some other female surfers in the mix it's just there's a there's a clip of Sierra and Molly going back-to-back waves at Chopu. So sick. That are just, it's the sickest clip ever. You could tell that they're just pushing each other, really having a good time out there. It's like, it's fucking sick what's happening on the women's side of surfing right now. And I think you mentioned it before, but Sierra in her interview said that she's not going to try to qualify immediately. Do you think you'd feel more kind of, would you feel good or bad about that if you were on the tour right now? Because part of me would be like, all right, she's not going to come beat me in heats just yet. And the other part would be like, what the fuck? She's going to go spend an extra year, like, getting better and then come? Like, how would you feel about it? How would you process that? No, it's ominous. Currently on tour? It's really, really ominous. It's like... <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, I, I, would, really I bad. wouldn't like it. I would want her to get on tour and maybe just have, like, a bad rookie year. You know what I mean? Like, just out of inexperience or whatever. It's like, yeah, like, okay, (laughs) you stay down there for now. But no, if she's just going to, like, keep getting better and more mature, and then she's going to come on tour and probably do something similar to what Katie did in her rookie year, like, that's terrifying. Yeah, that would be so scary. 
it, I think it would be scary to know that she's doing that than to just see her coming on, just having this like vague hope that maybe she'll take some time to figure things out. But like, no, another year of just chasing waves all around the world with her dad, just terrifying you with edits like this. It's uh, that's good luck. <laughs> that's the other part of this too, is like how lucky is Sierra to have Josh Kerr as a dad? Like what a crazy advantage that is in life. Because Sierra obviously has, well, part of that actually is you're gifted a bit of genetic talent as well. But she's obviously born with a certain level of talent. That was obvious from when she was super young. But then she just gets so much exposure to all these incredible places around the world that one, Josh has been to and knows intimately. Two, he has connections at, so it's really easy for them to do. Like, she's just in such a perfect position to have an incredible surf career. And from everything that I've seen, Josh has done everything right in terms of pushing her to be her best self, but not pushing her too much where she doesn't like surfing. She doesn't like being, you know, around it. Like she, it seems like everything that they do is like just on the money. And so it's really cool to see that because it's not always the case, you know, parent surfer relationships are famously strained in a lot of cases, but it seems like Josh is just doing everything right. And Sierra is having tons of fun and getting so good at surfing and yeah, it's just really cool to see. So I wanted to celebrate that side of it as well. Oh, absolutely. Watching them operate at Stab High at Lakey Peak was sick. Like you could tell it's just, he's always smiling. He's relaxed. Even when she's in the water for the final, he's just kind of chilling. Like about to that air, just hanging out like, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> you know, he's like, it's it feels like a real sweet spot and it seems to be working. So incredible. And she has him um, to bounce off any questions she might have about technique or like he's one of the most gifted surfers. Like I think Josh Kerr is one of the most underrated surfers that has ever walked on this earth. His ability to do everything from like 1 foot to 40 foot to giant slabs to giant airs, like he can do absolutely everything. Now he's on these other boards and he's doing like the best carbs of his life. I don't know. It's so sick. Yeah. Also, how about her golf tricks? You see those? <laughs> I did see those. Yeah, it's pretty good. You got that? You golf? Can you do I that? I can juggle. I can juggle. But she was doing like between, between the, legs. the legs juggles. I saw that. Yeah, that's uh, that's out of the Tiger Woods playbook. So I don't know if I'm at that level. All right, I'll keep it going. All right. Well, yeah. Go watch the uh, go watch the film. It's incredible. It's the future of women surfing. And also, give the interview a read. Christian did that one as well. And um, yeah, it gives you some more insight into the world and mind of a future and present surfing star. Go get some goosebumps. What the Super Bowl taught me about Felipe, Carissa, and Steph. So this is kind of like an opinion piece, I call it. It's written by Travis Kelsey. Um, he is a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Mikey, you wrote this one. I did. I did. I wish I was Travis Kelsey. It seems like he's got a good life going on. <laughs> it would be sick if he wrote for us. <laughs> All right, so to break this down, um, our American listeners will probably know and understand what I'm talking about. If you're from elsewhere, maybe not so much, but the Super Bowl just happened this past weekend. It's obviously like the biggest sporting event of the year in the U.S., and I don't think globally. I think the World Cup probably gets that. But oh, yeah, anyway, it was the uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers, and truth be told, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I don't watch football. Like It's something that I... I know how the game is played. I've watched enough of it to like get it. My team is the Philadelphia Eagles. So the last time I actually watched football was last year's Super Bowl when the same Kansas City Chiefs team took us out in the dying minutes of the game. So uh, yeah, I know how you feel, 49ers fans. 
anyway, the way the game came out, they went into overtime, which is pretty rare in Super Bowls. Um, so it was like really exciting in that sense. The 49ers got the ball first. They went down the field and made a field goal, which is kind of like a half touchdown, if you will. It's like it's good. They scored, but it wasn't the whole enchilada. So then the uh, Kansas City Chiefs get the ball. They're on their 25-yard line, and they know that in order, to, in order for their entire season to really have any meaning whatsoever, they need to score on this drive. And I just can't imagine that kind of pressure. Like, everything you've done up until that point comes down to that single drive. Like, I don't know, it just seems, like, overwhelming to me. So the fact that people can, like, process that and overcome it and the fact that they worked their way down the the field they converted on a fourth down and when it came down to it they made a touchdown and won the game it was just so 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 impressive to me like this is something that the Super Bowl is literally it's a world title for these guys and it's what they dream of since they're little kids like all the years practicing playing missing all these you know family and friend events but like they dedicate their entire lives pretty much for this one goal, on top of obviously making a shit ton of money regardless. But really what they care about, most of them, is getting that Super Bowl ring. And so to be able to pull that off when it matters most and step up and do that, and it made me think back to the way that surfing is set up nowadays. Because back in the day, all you needed to do was be the most consistent over the course of a year. Call it 10 events or whatever. I know it's changed, but if you could go out there and be the most consistent, you put up some quarters, semis, a couple wins, you know what I mean? You're in a really good spot. There's certainly pressure with that. And it, I'm sure it's something that you feel all year long. But the way that it's set up nowadays is you not only have to be consistent throughout the year, but then you have to go and put on probably your best performance of the entire year, if not just at least a very good performance, on one single day, one afternoon, in lower trestles, you have to pretty much do your best surfing of the entire year for any of the rest of the year to have any meaning to you. And that sort of pressure, it's, I mean, it's akin to what they're feeling in the Super Bowl with one major difference. And it's that if you're in the Super Bowl, you're part of a team. So you don't personally have to necessarily have the best game of your life or the best game of your season to win that championship. But in surfing, it's all on you. You know what I mean? Like if you make a mistake, if you fall in a wave, if you blow priority, your coach or your partner, whoever, they can't go out there and put a 6-5 on the board for you to, to kind of settle the nerves or whatever. Like it's literally just all on you. And I think this would especially affect the top surfers on either side. And who is that? The past few seasons, it's been Carissa Moore and Felipe Toledo who have led the majority of the season. They finished the season ranked number one. They go into the WSL finals ranked number one. And I just... Yeah, I can't imagine carrying that weight all year long that not only do you have to perform in every event pretty much, but then you have to go and you have to think about it all year like, oh, I still need to win two heats at lowers. So I don't know. It was, yeah, it's kind of just like a, a something that really, I don't know, catalyzed itself for me when watching that Super Bowl, like how stressful that would be and coming to terms with why they may have made their decisions to leave. And the interesting thing is they both had completely different results in that position. Carissa lost, and a lot of people speculated that those losses are what caused her to leave. But Felipe won both, and he's leaving as well. Um, so it's it's clear that the end result is not always what is kind of like the end-all, be-all. It's not the outcome that really matters. It's the fact that for those nine months prior, you're just thinking about this, and it's eating away at you. 
Um, so yeah, that was where I was at with it, Buck. Sorry, I just went on a giant spiel. Do you have any <laughs> any thoughts or opinions on this? Well, I think it's a good point to raise that like obviously there's a difference between the Super Bowl and the WSL Finals, uh, regardless of I feel like how they first started announcing it or we first started hearing about it. It's like they call it like a Super Bowl or something, right? Am I making that up? But I think that like there were, there might be an argument that like, oh, the Super Bowl is just way bigger, but I don't think like the emotions that you feel, the neurochemicals that are going on when, when you're in a moment like that really vary that much between human to human. Like if you're stressed, you're stressed, regardless of what that is. That's, that's internal, and I don't think it matters whether you're in a stadium or whether you're on a decaying beach that seems to get weirder and weirder every year. Sorry, Lowers, I love you. You're great, but I just every time I see photos that wave, I'm like, what the fuck is that? The beach the beach um you know what i mean that weird like thing they got yeah <laughs> it's bizarre anyway i don't think there's i think the people anybody would be like oh well it's just serving it's not super bowl i don't think the the brain is capable of really coming up with a different response in that moment like you're just as stressed as anybody else might be you feel just as much pressure as somebody on a literal overtime game-winning drive in the super bowl just insane movie shit um I think you feel the same thing. I think that's fair. So good point to raise. And yeah, with the finals format, again, it's unfair. It's it's so fun to watch. It's it's tough. It's yeah, unfair. It's tough for the surfers. But as of then, it's like, damn, this is this is really cool. The stakes are just so high. You know, I think humans just love high stakes. I could could be wrong, but like. Isn't that why the Coliseum had life or death consequences? Like, isn't that kind of, it's clear that we like the higher the stakes are, the more interesting it is for people. I think it's just uh, how it goes. So it's stressful. It's probably not as fair as the old system, but hey, when September, what is it, 9th or something comes around, I'm watching. You're right. Yeah. And it is. And like, I've been a proponent of the WSL finals since its inception. I really have. Like, I think it's great. The interesting thing is, I went and I talked to a professional sports psychologist to see if I could get any of my beliefs verified, and he pretty much disagreed with all of them. <laughs> um, so you can give it a read for yourself and see which side you fall on. I know for myself, if I was like a top-rated surfer, knowing that that day was coming and I still had to do that, that would give me a ton of stress. Maybe that's just the way my brain works, and I'm projecting that onto people who are obviously far better at what they do than myself. Um, but I think we've seen it manifest in Carissa. Like she goes into that day ranked number one, probably the surfer best suited to surfing that wave well. And she almost lost three years in a row to surfers who are not even quite at her level out there. Talk to you as one turn away, that one backside hammer. Life hack, by the way, regarding the Super Bowl, make money on surf betting, lose money on other sports betting. That's how you do it. That is my playbook. You make the money on surfing, and then you're bored on a Thursday night, and you're like, what's this soccer game I know nothing about coming? And you're like, these guys are underdogs? Let me throw some money on them. You lose. <laughs> you make up for it in surfing, and that's the circle of life, my friend. Although I won on the Chiefs. Chiefs money line. All right, coming up, we are going to have a CT preview podcast of the Hurley Pro at Sunset Beach with you and Stace, Mikey. But before we get to the CT, we have to get to uh, the World Quiz Series. We have got a freshwater surfer for this one from Switzerland. 
we found that to be unique, so we got them on. We'll test them in a minute. Before we get there, let's talk about a few other things. We'll talk about what's next. Stab in the Dark with Kolohan Dino is dropping next Tuesday, the 20th. It will be the third episode, which means he's going to try two new boards, and then he's going to decide which boards are going to the final out of those that he's put in purgatory already. Um, we, Mikey, wasted time today trying to think of a song that was used. Sierra in Precursor uses a Lady Hawk song, and when it came on, I was like, oh, I've heard a version of this before. I swear is in another surf movie. Let's play a segment of this because I couldn't find which movie this was in. And I love it because Sierra used a different version, I think, but I, I back that. It's like I'm giving a little bit of tribute to it, but using a different version. Cool. Where did this song come from? Let's hear it. Hit us up and let us know. It is killing me. Like... I, got, I went through so many different surf films today because I just, I know it. And like, this used to be my like special skill in life was pairing songs that you hear elsewhere with surf sections somewhere in the ether. And I think I've lost it. Um, so hopefully one of our listeners can can let us know. You can email michael at stabbang.com or bucketstabbang.com with the answer. We will hook you up with some sort of treat for this. Uh, but for now, we, we actually wanted to put this question into the quiz, but we couldn't because we couldn't find the answer. Uh, so we had to come up with three other questions for our Stab Premium member, and he's going to have a chance to get a free Stab Premium membership and a wetsuit from Buck. So let's go hop on the WQS. Let's get there and then get to the CT. Well, All right, Francesco is it? Yeah, wow. it is. How does it feel seeing Mikey shirtless for the first time? You thought it was just a joke. I did, I did. I mean, I've seen him shirtless a few times in videos, but never, never live. That's true. He really, almost <laughs> every week, he's just on here shirtless. Um, it's not just a video shtick. I'm serious. Wow. Anyway, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the World Quiz League, World Quiz Series, sorry uh yeah well i'm i'm a shitty surfer basically that's that's the that's the sum up i was born in italy east coast yeah i know worse than worse worse than average i would say uh (laughs) so yeah east coast basically no waves every time is maximum five seconds period uh surfing only during the winter and now i moved to switzerland and i surf lake waves so that's it yeah, you, you, <laughs> I think part of the reason why I chose you is because you said you promised you wouldn't ruin the suit with salt water. You sent me a yeah. photo of you surfing on a Swiss lake and said, I won't ruin the suit with salt water. I was like, damn, that's this is all boring. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely not pulling a surf trip somewhere cold. I, I, that, I have that at home already. So, yeah, if you're going if I, somewhere, it's going to be warm. Yeah. Nice. Well, are you ready? To get your surf knowledge tested here, we got some questions for you. I'm gonna do my best. Last podcast I didn't listen to, I, I checked now and it was mid 2022. So I, I, I'm supposed to be ready, but, <laughs> but but I don't read as much. I have to be honest. <laughs> All right. Well, is this guy even a premium world. member? I am. I am. You watch this. Okay, okay. Watching the videos. All right. 
which is about to be tested. So here we go. We're going to kick off the WQS here with a question about Stab in the Dark. Episode 3 of Kolohe Andino's Stab in the Dark drops Tuesday, February 20th. In that episode, Kolohe will test two new boards and retest all the boards he put in purgatory. Which of these boards will he be trying for the first time? A, a board from Morse Cole. B, from Timmy Patterson. Or C, from Christian Bradley. What do you got for us? Ooh. I'm going to go see Christian Bradley. Ooh, I think he made the finals of Stab in the Dark and Fast. At least he has been featured. He featured last year. Italo liked the board, looked good on the board, broke the board, didn't make the final, and he's not back this year. Instead, Kolohe will be trying a board from B, oh, Timmy Patterson, his fellow San Clementian, and uh, we're going to see if that San Clemente magic works its way into the final. So you I are, do like oh, how he, he kept with the Euro theme, though. Like, you got to go for your own if you don't know, right? Yeah, he really yeah, did. So, sh- so shout out. Shout out to Bradley. Great guy. Listener. Well, Bradley's technically Australian, but uh, he works out of Europe. So Yeah, yeah. He's like halfway there. He knows how to order a baguette, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. What's number two, Buck? Number two. This one you got to oh. get right, though. The, the stakes are yeah, high know. right now. If we don't get this one right, we're in trouble. Yeah, we're going to deal with some asterisks if uh, this one gets wrong. All right. In 2001, the then ASP decided the world title in the final event of the year at Sunset Beach. It was an abbreviated season, and CJ Hobgood was declared world champ after only five contests, leading to some people to say that his victory deserved an asterisk. Asterisk. I hate that word. And it shouldn't be on CJ's title anymore. We're done with it. Anyway... Who won the women's world title that year, in which there were only three events? We have got A, Lisa Anderson, B, Lane Beachley, or C, Chelsea Georgeson. What do you got? I have absolutely no clue. Uh, I'm uh, I'm going B, but just element of randomity. Oh, staying alive here with B. Lane won six titles from 1998 until 2003. So this was just in the middle of an incredibly dominant career. Kelly only won five straight. Lane had six. So I guess that's the reason why nobody ever questioned Lane's title. But come on, let's not question CJ's either anymore. He fucking won the title fair and square. Anyway, you stayed alive. You got it done under pressure. And we like to see that. Well done. Under priority. That was good. Yeah, yeah. And not very confident, just swung on it and went. And it turns out he got it right. Should I put some money on me, Sierra Mila? Oh, yes. you could just, I, just match you, his you bets been you'll be good just at, fine. Yeah, no, he would have been paying like plus 600 going into that question. You would have got a good payout for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On Instagram this week, the filmmaker behind Noah Beshin's latest film, Noah, Andy Woodward is his name, posted his first ever barrel, a stand-tall cave at a well-known Pacific Ocean right. Where was it? We've got A, Marshall Islands, B, Tahiti, or C, Micronesia. These aren't cold water, so maybe you're not familiar. It was too warm for you. I have no idea. No legs, huh? Um, I'm, I'm going Micronesia, whatever that is. <laughs> Wow, look at this guy. Am I getting a wedding? He's got it again. Well done. (laughs) This is incredible. (laughs) He's using ChatGPT for sure over there. (laughs) 
incredible. I mean, we didn't even say the name of the wave. That was really well done. Um, it was at P Pass, home to oh, some yeah. of the best surf sections of all time. And if you watch this clip, which I believe we're going to share it on Stab's Instagram, it will just make you think if, if you are a low level surfer as the, you are professing to be, sir, um, it will make you feel like you could just stand tall because he literally, he just doesn't move. Um, it looks dangerous. And somehow the wave just bends all over him without him having to react in any way. It's one of the most incredible surf clips I think I've ever seen in my life. And uh, you got it right. His no, legs I mean, are really not, locked. And, yeah, I don't want to surf anything above three feet anyways. So it's not my problem. <laughs> Oh, well, we have a bonus question. We have a bonus question. This one is not multiple choice, so I'm really excited for your answer. Yeah, it's going to be tough then. <laughs> bonus question. So this last one we featured was at P-Pass. In this question, we're asking you, who famously rode the largest, cleanest swell ever filmed at P-Pass, featured in the Taylor Steele movie Stranger Than Fiction? Who you got for us? You got no choices. You got to just... Uh, Go acapella here. Ah, uh, man, I need to think about it. No, I'm gonna say Jordi Smith. I know it's not, but I'll I'll try. Jordi Smith for the title, 2024. At least it's he was good. in the film. Yeah, Jordi's in the film, and it could be Jordi's year. Good point. It was Shane Dorian there. Okay. Um, it was Shane Dorian actually. So, hey, you won a wetsuit. Um, you were you came in, you weren't confident, but you went. Through the back, two questions out of three. I mean, you just you did great. So you got a suit in your way. Don't ruin it with salt water. Um, I won't. I promise. You I won't. Said, Worst case, allow. Yeah, is is it okay if I go to the wave pool? Yeah, that's fine, right? You are allowed to go to the wave pool. It is fresh okay. water there. I just don't want this thing salt. You know, it can be corrosive. We don't need any salt in the suit. Keep it in Swiss lakes. <laughs> and, uh, thank you for jumping on. Thank you, guys. I love you. You are the best. Also, fuck you back. <laughs> and also good point and also you get a free stab premium membership for the next year so congratulations wow yes and thank it's you for the best me day of my myself. life that was a good good touch well played hey question do you guys uh on the no salt thing do you guys pee in your wetsuits in lakes or is that taboo what kind of question is that of course to win at sunset you need dominance, experience, and an uncanny ability to create a shitload to go your way. Those are the words of two-time world and sunset champion Tom Carroll. And uh, yeah, how does that make you feel, Stacy? Oh, it just makes me warm in the heart. TC, when he talks, you listen. Unless he's doing one of those like 45-minute Instagram live things, then I tune out. I love him. It makes me feel like, like a father figure is talking to me or something. Like, uh, yeah. And I we got some heat from that the other day. Like, you guys are going to cut that out. I'm like, are you kidding me? They're the sickest things ever. I, I, I love them. Too long a time span for you, Mikey. You're too young. I'm sort of in that next generation where I love a good sit-down kumbaya Tom Carroll. We actually had the most amazing sit-down kumbaya with TC when we went to G-Land. There's like this thousand-year-old temple up in the hill at G-Land, and we walked up there. And we got a private one of them, just us and TC. It's like 10 of us. Unbelievable. So I back him and I back TC and I think that he's spot on. And I can't believe it's been something ridiculous like 40 years since or 35 years since a goofy footer has won sunset. That's crazy. 45. 45 years. Wow. <laughs> Which, that's how does that even level. make sense? Oh, that's because it's, it's as a CT. That's not, 
in total. There have been events at sunset won by goofy footers, obviously. But yeah, it hasn't been it wasn't a CT for a really long time. Or it's really it's come in and out of CT events. Mm. Um mm. but yeah, so technically it's only run nine of those years over the course of forty five years. But yeah, it's it's been a it's been a minute between drinks. Oh right. Okay, gotcha. And another interesting stat in there was Obviously, Pipeline is for the girls. We now know that. Uh, Sunset is also for the girls because it's the longest-running CT or second longest or something like that. I I didn't know that. That was a surprising stat to me as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's between that and Huntington Beach, I guess. The girls have got it good. Wow. And then third to that, I think, was Bell. So a couple of great, (laughs) slopey, big right-handers. But no, you never say this, ever. I'm going to say it. And you can blame me if it doesn't happen, but we are running four days, Mikey. Once this thing starts, it will not stop, and it is going to be pumping. Wow. That's a huge call that you just put not only onto the podcast, but into the universe just for it to spite you. Someone had to do it. Everyone's thinking it. (laughs) It does look pretty good. Obviously, right now we've got a huge swell hitting Hawaii, which we talked about uh, last time Stace and I chatted, and it doesn't look great. But on the other side of that... The winds are going to come around, the swell's going to settle, and we have basically a week of pumping surf that they're looking at. And we talked about Saturday running. The winds are still looking a little north that day. You can still run sunset when it's north. It it actually doesn't really mess it up that badly, to be honest. But with a bunch of other clean easterly wind days down the line, I don't know. What are you thinking? When are they going to kick this thing off? I think Saturday US time, I think they pulled the trigger for sure. Um, like you said, it, it's not perfect on that first day, but it kind of ends up looking like a Halley Eva, but with out to sea, middle of the ocean kind of vibe. Like when the wind's on shore, the rip running out the channel is like aggressive. Um, it's the kind of conditions where if you snap your leash, like jar bless swimming in from out there uh, when it's doing that. But then as the days go on from there, it cleans up, the wind swings around a bit more to the east and... I think it's going to be a couple of absolutely firing days. I think they could go like Saturday to Tuesday or Sunday to Wednesday or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So either way, we know that they're going to run this week and probably finish the event this coming week, which is really, really cool. We just get like, a, a, we never last year, I don't think, did we get just like a week straight or four days straight of competitive surfing that you could really like hone in on. And um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a big one. I feel like it's going to be actually pretty fatiguing, like we haven't had it's like when you you don't go on a run for a while and you start running and you get like half a kilometer and you start getting a freaking the feeling in your kidney like it's going to explode but uh i'm excited the waves look really good stace you have spent a lot of time out there have you spent a lot of time caddying in the water at sunset luckily enough yes and it is the greatest job in the world when that shit's going down um my boy freestone actually got spat out of a 10 straight into my arms one day out there and uh it's just the best. Like I wish that every event the coaches could sit in the water at some level because it's just the greatest thing. You know, you're not sitting on the beach biting your nails, going, "Oh, I wish I could say this." You're literally right there, and it is. It's honestly one of the best things ever. And to be honest, like you can kind of paddle out with two people if you want to take out a couple of boards. So there's been times out there where you look in the channel and there's like ten people sitting there. It's like, yeah, front row seat to the best show in the world. How does that change? the whole dynamic between surfer and coach and like getting feedback. I mean, it seems pretty obvious if you have your person there helping you, it should be a benefit, but have you ever seen it go the other way? Um, I'm sure that all coaches at some point are probably guilty of oversharing. Um, 
Parko was always into me and Jack about just keeping it really simple. Like, don't say too much and just give information on the heat. I would say the direction of the swell has the biggest impact because when it's west and you can take off on the bowl or kind of a bit further up the point, you can give like strategical updates like, hey, paddle back out wide and slow because, you know, you're going to have fourth priority or, you know, really basic reminders to the athlete. But when you're in that situation and the heart rate's up and, you know, the pressure's on, those simple reminders, they can go a long way. And I've definitely seen times where it's helped immensely i bet yeah and then there's the other side of the swell direction thing which is uh yeah how uh flirty can the can the coaches get with that channel that isn't always a channel have you gotten cleaned up i uh, i think i've told this story before but i'll tell it again the one morning first heat of the day and it was it was solid it was big and i was sitting next to uh, ian gavea's dad fabio who obviously fucking rips and charges and we were literally, the heats hadn't started yet. And he was on Ian's backup board. And I'm like scrambling for the shoulder thinking I'm going to get cleaned up and break a board here. And he just swung under the lip, like in the channel and fully took off and got <laughs> fucking annihilated. And I was like, oh my God, if he breaks Ian's board here, like, I don't know. So yeah, never been cleaned up. Um, I actually said no one day to caddying um, to, for, for Cruzy. It was, it was it was 15, 20 feet closing out the middle of the bay. And I was like, because the caddies aren't really allowed jet ski assist. I think that if the caddy gets a ride in, it can even affect the surfer in the heat. I'd, I'd have to look that up. But yeah, and I was like, nah, Otz, you're out there. I'm not, fuck that. Like, it was so big. And Cruzy broke a board and Otz had to swim in. So I was stoked that I didn't go out that day. But when it's like eight to 10 feet and it's, it's you know, or 12 feet even, and it's just right on that maxing out range and it's not wiping out the bay. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, yeah, it, it is the best. Well, I know one person who's probably very excited for this week to be in the channel, a former winner and a podcast contributor. Let's hear from Jake the Snake Patterson. Well, it's Thursday here in Hawaii and we have a massive swell. It's 20 to 30 foot and it's supposed to run through tomorrow as well. Way too big to run. And uh, I reckon they'll get underway over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. And unfortunately, Monday's looking really good, but it's a public holiday here and they can't run the event. But uh, the two couple of days after that, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all look really good to finish out the, finish out the event. Um, sunset, you know, my tips are the, the bigger guys normally do well here, guys that can ride bigger boards, iron out the bumps and the lumps that Sunset is, uh, comes a part of. And um, it's a unique event for the coaches and caddies and stuff here because we get to sit out in the channel and actually talk to our athletes in the heat. So that's pretty cool. I kind of really enjoy this event. Um, back in the day, we used to have walkie-talkies, someone on the beach walkie-talking scores to us. But these days, uh, the PA systems are good enough to hear the things and the boys wear Apple Watches so they know the scores as well. So I'm calling. It's going to be a great event for the men's and women's and... Uh, if the women's have anything to go by, what they did at Pipeline, the girls are going to have a good show as well. So tune in, everyone. It's going to be great. So Snake is easily the best person to be sitting next to in the lineup. <laughs> I've had a heap of heats out there where I've been caddying for someone, and he's obviously caddying. At the time, he was doing the Quicksilver team, so he was pretty much would just sit out there all day. Uh, and he's like the most vocal, the most informative, the most brutal like you could ever hear these he's saying things to surfers where i'm just like holy 
shit. <laughs> if that was getting told to me, I'd, I'd just be paddling out, probably crying. But he's, he's, you know, he's, it, his method is, you know, he Snake knows who he is in his own skin, and he knows how to get his guys revved up. And um, yeah, it's just I don't know, like hearing him or Ross Williams or Kahea Hart or any of those things, like it's it was always a a massive you know moment for us young Aussies sitting out there being in that place is um yeah or even like you're sitting out there and Kai Garcia's on the ski and something will go down or like someone will get knocked and they're trying to qualify and I remember he would say shit like oh if that doesn't make you cry then you're in the wrong sport and I'm like he's the toughest guy in the world and he's talking about shedding a tear for some random kid that just didn't qualify like everyone's invested it's pretty sick all right so round one in this event like I took a look at it and it was so hard pipe. I had a really good idea of who I thought was going to like win these heats sunset, man. It's just such a wild card. Like there's so many different factors involved in winning a heat out there that it just feels almost impossible in a three man heat, especially to try to pick winners. I did put my picks on the site. There's a, um, a whole event preview written by Jesse Starling. She did a really good job. So if you want to see where I'm betting, you can go check that out. But are there any heats out here that stand out to you just from a spectator standpoint, Stace, that you are really excited to watch on the men's side and on the women's? I think on the men's, it's always those individual talents that stand out, regardless of who else is in the heat. You kind of, you're looking at Jack Robbo, Ethan Ewing, these kind of surfers that just have such a good read on the wave. Uh, Obviously, John Florence. And then Gabe is insane out there as well. So there's still the same old thing, regardless of what event it is. Those guys are the ones that are going to stand out to me. And the one funny one though, is looking at the heat draw, Robbo's got David Silver and we know David has his weaknesses, pipeline being one of them. Margaret River, he wasn't too comfortable there last year or the year before, but I think he's actually chalked up a final at sunset in the, in the pre- previous events there. So uh, in, when the when the QS was a thing there, or the challenger. So when I saw Robbo and uh, David Silver in a heat together, I was like, oh, like that's not going to be a walkthrough for Robbo. Like he's, st- he's going to have to step up, which I'm sure he will. But that was one heat to me that stood out. I was like, oh, David Silver could be sneaky good there. Uh, plus 650 on betonline.ag. I chucked a sneaky tenor on David Silver in the Hurley Pro Sunset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he gets it up there backside. He hooks it under the lip. He's got power. And you don't really need variety on the backhand out there. You just need to have a bit of courage. And, you know, in certain waves, he, he lacks it, let's be honest. But out there, I've seen him have some incredible performances. So I'm definitely, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're, not, we're not there yet, but he could be my underdog. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the heats that I like, this is actually totally contrary to what Stace was saying. There's not like one huge heavy hitter in here, but I really like Ryan Callanan versus Liam O'Brien versus Ramsey Bukayam. Uh, I think just three very different surfers, but three absolute like powerhouses who could all put up huge. I just want this to be like a heat where there's like three 15, 16 point heat totals just going to absolute town. I think that'd be amazing. Uh, and then on the women's side, similar thing. I really like uh, Caroline Marks, Sally Fitzgibbons, and then the local girl, Zoe McDougal stab highway star and winner. Um, I think that she is going to put in a really good performance and taking out Caroline out there, I think might be tough. Sally also is fearless. So yeah, I think that's just going to be another really good heat to watch. But at the end of the day, we do have to pick some winners. So let's get into the overdogs. I mentioned it earlier and I think he's pretty hard to miss. Uh, it'd be Jack Robinson for me as the overdog there, Mikey. Uh, 
was looking gnarly on his sharp eyes all year, but I have noticed a fresh quiv of Arakawa's under his feet, and uh, I think he's ready to roll, Mikey. He's probably feeling pretty pissed off after Pipe as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. You know, when his back is up against the wall and he's out at sunset, he uh, he can do some things. So I think that's a great pick. The, to me, there's three men who are clearly, clearly, clearly the favorites in this event. Jack is one of them, Ethan's the other, and John is the third. So I've got money on all three of them on betonline.ag to be the event winners. But if I have to pick one... I think another person who's a little bit pissed off right now is John Florence. Um, finals day did not go his way, and he's never had a good result out at sunset either. His best ever is a ninth. So this is a wave that he clearly dominates, as you can see in all the Vans Pipe Masters, the, um, especially the digital editions. Like He would just destroy people out here. So it's just going to be a matter of him putting heats together because his surfing is about as good as it gets. The waves are going to be there, so I think he's going to make it happen. John is my overdog. Moving over to the women, uh, I am going to go repeat Molly Picklum. She also had a huge event at Pipe, probably should have won, but got second, and uh, I just don't see anyone coming close to her, really, out there in big rights, big turns, the odd barrel. I think she's the one. What about you, Stacey? She's not an favorite, I don't think, but I'm going to pick her as my favorite because I just think with the size of this swell and how good she's been surfing, she looks like a favorite to me, uh, and that's Gabriella Bryan. I think Damn she's going to be really, really hard to beat. She was going to be my underdog. Oh, I beat you to it there, didn't I? <laughs> all right, all right. You all can't right. swap now. That's yeah, two different true, categories. True, true, Okay, okay. All right, let's get into some underdogs. <laughs> I'll give you my underdog then. It's kind of the other way around if you look at the ratings, but I think uh, Betty Lou will be really strong out there. Oh, God, she's good. Yes. It's uh, I, Molly, Betty Lou, and Gabriella are the three women that I'm putting money on to win the event. So we're in the same uh, ballpark there thinking that. I guess I need to pick a different underdog then. Let me take a little look at this list. Uh, Brisa Hennessy, hmm. former Sunset winner, absolute power surfer. Uh, I could see her doing it again. So I'll go Brisa on the women's side. And then on the men, I'm really, really excited about this pick. This is one that if you end up picking it right, you know this person's going to get a CT victory at some point. He had a good run at pipe. And um, I think this wave could suit him. He's amazing on his backhand. Biggest turns on tour between him and maybe now Cole Hauschman is in that conversation. But I think Connor O'Leary could be the one to do it backside out there. For the first time in 45 years, he's my underdog. That's a, a great, great underdog, Mikey. I'll, I'll go with you. I'll go, I'll go Goofies. I'm going to go Ryan Callanan. I think he's, he's due. He's overdue. He's had some heartbreak out there. He's also had some moderate success. In the Challenger events, I'm going to go Ryan Callanan. Up the goofies. All right, so those are Stace and my picks for the 2024 Hurley Pro Sunset event. will kick off probably this weekend in the U.S., maybe Australia as well. And, uh, yeah, a lot to look forward to, both in terms of the waves, which it looks like we're turning a corner in 2024, thank God. And uh, also, yeah, just a lot of good bets on betonline.ag as well. So get in there, Stace, and um, yeah, we'll be back whenever this event ends to break it all down. Good luck, Mikey. And to you. Go two from two, brother. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. That is all for this week. Uh, We're really looking forward to sunset taking off over the weekend and likely, no, not likely, definitely a stab in the dark episode on Tuesday. So yeah, it's going to be another huge week in surfing. And until then... Over and out.